Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. Jason Kong and I have the pleasure, as always, of being here with Bill Alexander. Bill, thank you for uh, allowing us here in the uh, WG Alexander Studios. Nice and air-conditioned today, which, <laughs> which we need. <laughs> Good morning, Jason. Hope you're doing well. I'm great, Bill. How are things on your end? Well, you, as you, uh, I'm sure you know, I'm still celebrating to a degree. Uh, or I, uh, I'm very proud of my son, Thomas Alexander, who uh, last weekend uh, graduated uh, with honors uh, from law school. And so uh, once he passes the bar exam in North Carolina, then I hope to welcome him as a new associate uh, in the law firm. So I'm, I'm still uh, grinning from ear to ear and, and just uh, extraordinarily proud uh, of uh, Thomas. Of course, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, folks heard from my oldest son, George, uh, who's a financial advisor with Edward Jones and doing real, really well. So I give him a plug. I'm proud of, of George as well. Uh, but, you know, this was Thomas's uh, weekend. And, of course, I know that all the parents and grandparents out there who uh, have a had a graduate last weekend, and there were bunches of them uh, across the state and country. Um, we're all, you know, very, very proud of of our children and grandchildren who uh, graduated uh, from college or law school or med school or, or you know graduate school or whatever it was, you know. But uh, I also have a soft place in my heart for all of us who had to help our children move, you know. So I'm still a little sore from lifting furniture and, uh, you know, uh, getting everything packed in the U-Haul it and all that good stuff. But uh, it was a joyous weekend. Well, congratulations <laughs> again to Thomas. Uh, you've been beaming since I, I walked in the door here today, and uh, rightfully so, because that's a tremendous accomplishment on his end. And, uh, and hey, a, a former Curtis Media alum as well. So, Thomas, congratulations to you. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, most people would not know, but uh, of course, uh, Thomas did work for Curtis Media and WPTF in terms of as a radio engineer. Um, and, uh, and enjoyed that, but uh, came home and to his dad's surprise said, Dad, I want to go to law school. I guess working for PTF, but I did that to him. <laughs> <laughs> at, at times it will uh, make you strongly consider law school, but right now it's making me consider asset protection, Bill. Okay, well, we could, we probably should talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, let's get to that a little bit. Hey, I know uh, a couple weeks ago you had one of your seminars, and you do that uh, the second Wednesday day of every month, a great chance mm -hmm. to learn about things like long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning. And there's a, a particular slide that you wanted to talk about when it comes to, uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is your asset protection and trust seminar that you do. Well, actually, it's for both. Okay. Uh, and it's, 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 it's a basic concept that is lost on so many people. You know, my, um, all of us, uh, particularly as we get older and we have things to protect, um, there are two things that are really, really important to almost everyone, and that is we want to maintain our independence and we want to maintain control over our money and our stuff and our land and our homes and whatever we got. We want to maintain control over it. So... Uh, 
now, wh- what that really means is to the degree that we make plans for ourselves and make plans for our family, which uh, for most of us, that's an, a very important thing to do. Ultimately, we want a plan that works, okay? And of course, um, uh, to a great degree, that means going to a lawyer who can help you create a plan that will work. You know, uh, we, what we've said over and over and over again is the fact that you don't know what you don't know. And uh, folks who try to do it on their own, I've had very wealthy clients ask me from time to time, well, can't I just write out my own will so I don't really need you? (laughs) And I'll say, well, legally, yes, you can pin a will for yourself. Of course, the problem is, is you're asking for a lawsuit when you do that. Uh, It's extraordinarily difficult because people are not trained to, um, to, to do documents that do not have problems. And, and uh, I mean, even going online, you have the same thing because those, those kind of documents uh, that you can uh, obtain online are designed for folks that I call them Aussie and Harriet families, no problems, you know, you know in-the-box type of planning where you're just like everybody else. And, of course, the thing is we're all unique. We all have different family issues, and so that type of planning – rarely works well. Now, I, I can't say that it it won't work for some families, but do you know if you're one of those families? <laughs> That's the problem, because you really don't know. And the, the if you're trying to figure it out on your own, you're going to miss out on options that what you could have done and would have done if you'd known about it. And that's... That's the real problem, uh, and so if, if you just uh, take the attitude, I mean, you, I can't tell you how many times people might come in and just say, well, we're simple people. We just want something simple, uh, nothing too complex, and what that really means is not very expensive, which I understand. I mean, I don't like to pay for you know uh, things if, I, if it's not worth, worth it. You know, I want to get my money's worth. But the fact is, frequently those same people, when I explain options to them, it's it's like um, serving them fresh strawberries. I mean, it's like, ooh, that sounds really good. Can we actually do that? And the answer is, of course you can. Uh, you just have to do it a little bit differently than what you thought about when you came in. So, you know, um, all of that is important, but... The slide that you were referring to is one that has people scratching their heads at times, and that's why I use it. Now, what does the slide say? It is most wills and trust don't work. Okay. Now, here I am, a fellow who does wills and trusts and lots of other documents uh, for folks to make plans work, and and I'm saying right from the get-go that if you don't do it right, it's not going to work. Okay, so and what I'm saying is, is there's so many, uh, you know, uh, pitfalls 
in terms of the planning that if you don't get good guidance as to how to avoid those pitfalls, you're going to have a plan that doesn't work exactly the way you intended your plan to work. And unfortunately, there are so many uh, professionals out there who actually create these pitfalls for you. Uh, and because there's a lack of coordination among professionals. And by coordination, I'm talking about coordination among an attorney who typically would help you with your plan and your financial advisor and your banker and your CPA or accountant. I mean, uh, any one of those folks can mess this whole thing up. And you might say, well, why should I do planning at all? (laughs) Well, frankly, if you don't do planning at all, you're really creating a bigger mess. And that's uh, important for folks to know. And and if you don't do planning, because what I want to tell folks is is that the most important part of your planning is life planning. How... That, so you can create a plan so that you and your spouse are fully taken care of, you maintaining control, maintaining independence as long as possible uh, for your, your life. And if you don't have good estate planning documents, you're not going to have the ability to maintain control and independence nearly as long uh, and the like. So... You know, what are the basic documents? Now, I'm going to get back to why wills and trusts don't work. But, you know, when folks come to us for just a what we call basic documents, and there are a lot of families that can use basic documents as long as they realize that they, they need to know how to use them and when to change them if necessary. You know, those, it's not a one-and-done type of thing for most of us. Uh, and so, yes, we do. Uh, everyone should have a last will and testament, and that's whether you have a trust or not. And so, uh, and, and for almost all of my clients, but not all, I recommend what's called an advanced general durable power of attorney. And that's the document that's really key in asset protection. And most seniors don't have one. Most folks do have a power of attorney, but they don't have an advanced power of attorney. And most powers of attorney are extremely limited in terms of what it will allow an agent to do. And it doesn't come with instructions. But the, um, the problem is is that it, it, oftentimes they don't work. Uh, the powers of attorney don't work when you need them to the most. And that's when you're trying to do asset protection because there's a serious problem involved. And then the healthcare documents are hard to mess up, but there's three of them, and not everyone gets all three. And so, you, yes, you should have a healthcare power of attorney to appoint your agents. Uh, that document should have HIPAA language in it, um, uh, which is a medical release that complies with the federal law for, for um, uh, health information. Uh, and then you should have an advanced directive for natural death, often called a living will. But that's an important document that almost everyone should have. And then you need a separate HIPAA release, or what we call a medical release that's HIPAA compliant, because federal law actually requires that. 
And then an important document that's far more important today than years ago is a digital release where you're authorizing your agent to use your username and password so that they can legally use it and have access to your custodian because almost all of us have all of our information online now as opposed to getting written statements in the mail like we used to. So those that digital release becomes far, far more important. Okay, so those are the, the six documents. And, and then as, when I go back to the last will and testament, the question is, why would they not work? Well, the, the area where they don't work, okay, typically would be for married couples, okay? Uh, and even for single people, you can do things that will mess up your actual plan in terms of who gets what when you die. But obviously, a will-based plan or having no plan at all uh, is uh, appropriate for folks who do, in fact, have simple situation, simple goals, and no problems in the family. <laughs> and, you know, there are fewer and fewer families like that uh, out there. And so um, uh, I, I know you're looking at me like, okay, we got to uh, wrap this section up here and, and come back. So, But I want to get down to the specifics uh, when we come back of why a will might not work uh, for families. Excellent. We will go into that after we take a quick break here. If you are one of those who hasn't done planning, maybe you don't have any or a few of the six documents that Bill mentioned, or maybe you have them and you just have, uh, haven't have dusted them off in quite a few years and would like to have them reviewed, which you should, get a hold of Bill. Schedule an appointment to see him. It's easy to do. All you have to do is go to wgalaw.com. From there, you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also read about the many services that he and his team provide, and you can also register for Bill's free seminars. He does them the second Wednesday of every month, and he does seminars seminars that cover long-term care assistance. This deals with Medicaid and VA benefits, as well as a session on asset protection and trust planning. Both are free to attend. All you have to do is register. Go to WGALaw.com to do that. You can also call the office if you have questions, 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget WGALaw.com is where you can always find more information about Bill. WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for Bill's seminars dealing with long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. They're free to attend. And Bill, we've been discussing a, a slide that you often use in your presentations for your free seminars. And written on that slide, which is a surprise, I think, to most people, is that most wills and trusts don't work. And you went over what the main legal documents are. And now we're going to really dive into why why a will typically doesn't work for most folks. Well, it okay. So here's how it works. 
it's the reason there are problems is it's all about how you own your property, title to your property. And it's also about norms and in terms of expectations and how people do things, uh, the normal way of doing things. And of course, norms are different for different families. In other words, the norm for a first marriage is can be very different from, quote, the norms and expectations for a second marriage or a successive marriage, particularly when they're children by a previous marriage. You know, that changes everything in terms of how uh, most people would set up their plans and their estate to take care of each other and their children and grandchildren. And so when I say, okay, so here's the deal, if particularly for first marriage. So first marriage, and this I, I sus- suspect would include you and your wife, they, you have, uh, um, you know, you get married young, uh, and you have nothing when you start, and so in essence, uh, you put everything together. You uh, buy a home, hopefully, and guess what? The home is owned together as tenants by the entirety. And what that means is, is based on how you own your land, how you own your home, the deed basically decides who owns the property at the first death and what the, what it means. And, and quite frankly, this is what most people want it to mean, uh, is that the survivor owns the house completely, 100% outright, subject to a, 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 a loan or mortgage, uh, but they own the house when their spouse dies. Now, most, again, have you go to the bank, and what do you do? You open up a joint bank account with right of survivorship, and that's where your salaries go, and that's where you pay your bills from. Uh, and it's fairly rare for folks to have a separate account in their own name that excludes their spouse. And guess what? Those accounts are rights of survivorship. So now you have a little extra money and you want to invest it. So you go to an investment advisor and guess how you set that account up? You set it up with joint with right of survivorship. Um, Okay, so uh, we're looking at how you own your land, your bank accounts, and your investment accounts. So what other kind of properties do people acquire over time? Uh, well, the biggie would be retirement accounts, and so that might be a 401k or a 403b or a 457 plan or an IRA or some kind of a SEP plan or federal thrift savings plan, all retirement accounts. And guess what? They have beneficiary designations. So in essence, the contract with the retirement custodian dictates who gets that upon your death. And other types of property that you have might be life insurance. You know, most people at least buy a term life insurance policy, if not a whole life insurance policy, and that has what? Has a beneficiary designation. Okay. Another kind of property that people acquire over time might be an annuity, which is another insurance product. And guess what? It's an insurance product. It has a beneficiary designation. So 
If that's the way you have your property set up by title, who, what does the will do? I mean, basically, all your land, your bank accounts, your investment accounts, your retirement accounts, your life insurance, and your annuities, what else is left? All that's left, Bill, is your stuff. Well, that's right. In other words, the your furniture, your furnishings, uh, you know, the collections, uh, those kind of things, That your stuff. Okay, but do you do a will just for your stuff? Well, truthfully, most people don't. And see, there are an awful lot of folks who think that their will controls everything, and it doesn't. That's the thing. The, the last will and testament is actually last in line at, for control, okay? And so uh, if you expect your will to control where everything goes, it doesn't. And that's really, really important for folks to understand. And now, your will is really and truly, in this type of scenario, a cleanup document, okay? And so, you're, now, if you have a simple situation, first marriage, you want everything to go to your spouse and then equally to your children, and nothing weird happens, then your plan might work, okay? But let me give you some examples. Let's say you have these beneficiary designations uh, at your bank, and th- and this is called this is because of lack of coordination. But let's say you have a spouse uh, and you have two children, and so you put your spouse first, and then you put your two children, and they both have children, so you have grandchildren, uh, and you put them as a beneficiary. Okay, and your spouse dies, and so your children move up to the priority number one, so now they're the primaries, and one child dies unexpectedly. Okay, so what happens with many of those beneficiaries? Not all, because they can be different from one company to another, from one bank to another, one investment company to another, but typically this is a, a huge problem. Because Why? Well, one child will get the property under the beneficiary, but there's no beneficiary for the other because the person dies. So where does that property go? Oftentimes it goes to the estate, and that's when the will takes care of it. But what does the will say? Will says, if my spouse has died, then divide everything equally between my children. And if one child dies, that child's share goes to the grandchildren because there's always or should be, in a good will, contingency planning for all of these kinds of contingencies that can happen to us. So, in this case, one child's already gotten half, and then the other half goes to the estate, and it now it gets divided again. So, in essence, you have one child who gets three-fourths, and the grandchildren of the deceased child gets one-fourth of that property. So, Unless the agreement provides for lineal descendants, then it's it's problematic. And of course, the other problem is that even if it does provide for the lineal descendants, guess what? You got minor grandchildren, and you don't have any contingency planning, so that money has to go into an account, a uniform uh, a gift to minors act type of account 
with a custodian, but the kids get it when they turn 18 or at a very, very young age. And there's no, nothing there to protect. With a, At least if it went through the will, there would be a trust there for minor beneficiaries, whether they were children or grandchildren. And the whole point is that, guess what? Because what happened in your family was unexpected, that beneficiary designation that you thought was a good idea, and the banker said, yes, this is a great idea, you avoid probate, isn't that wonderful? You've just created a problem for the family, uh, your good intentions, but it didn't work out the way you thought it would. So in essence, your plan doesn't work because of the way you owned your property, the fact that you had a beneficiary designation or right of survivorship can actually mess things up where a, a good will, if everything went through the will and it actually was distributed accor- exactly according to the will, would have been done properly and would have worked. And of course, wills tend to be documents for families that are have simple uh, needs as opposed to more complex planning issues. Um, but it, it's uh, a, another issue that let's say that you have everything and nothing goes through the estate or very little. What if you have debtors? I mean, what if you're, the estate owes creditors? Well, all of these, almost all of these um, accounts that you've set up to go direct directly and avoid probate, the executor then has to reach out and bring those um, assets back into the estate in order to pay creditors. In other words, you don't get to skate. (laughs) You still have to pay your creditors uh, in the estate. Uh, And if if you've had a lot of these properties go by beneficiary designation, you've created far more time and effort on the part of the executor in order to get the bills paid, which can be problematic because the executor is going to reach out and get the easiest money available and not necessarily get it all from folks that actually owe it. So you can that can actually create disproportionate distributions because uh, you got to have enough money to pay the creditors. And so, again, um, in fact, I just had one recently where um, where the family discovered that the uh, father, who was divorced, uh, in other words, he was single, uh, failed to to file his income taxes for three years. (laughs) Well, guess what? The IRS is a pretty behemoth creditor when it comes to not filing your taxes and paying your taxes timely. Well, if if you don't think that estate is a mess, uh, guess again. Uh, so the whole point is is that creditors have got to be paid, um, and, and so uh, how you set up your estate can make it easy on your family or it can make it very, very difficult on on your family. And so one of the issues, and this is true for trust-based planning as well as will-based planning, is you have tons of professionals out there who assume that their contract that says 
uh, I, I, you know, do this beneficiary designation. And you can do that at a bank or an investment house. It's either called a pay on death or a transfer on death. That's a beneficiary designation. But, you know, the, the fact is, if you don't know exactly how it's going to work within your will or within your trust, you may have created a, a bigger problem for your family. Yep, a simple action like that can ruin a a well-thought-out plan, and that's why it is so important to have guidance along the way, someone there to make sure that your plans and all these beneficiary designations are working in harmony with each other so that your plans are executed the way that you want them to schedule an appointment to, to see bill if you haven't started any of your planning or if you want to have your documents reviewed bill can do that for you schedule an appointment to see him go to wgalaw.com that's bill's website wgalaw.com from there you can schedule an appointment to see bill or if you like some of the subjects that we're talking about today and you want to learn more from bill for free you can do that by registering for bill's seminars these happen the second wednesday of every month it's free to register free to attend all you have to do is go to wgalaw.com and click on that seminars button and from there you can register wgalaw.com taking a quick break but we'll be right back This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can always find more information about Bill online at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for Bill's free seminars. Next set happening on Wednesday, June 9th. If you would like to attend and learn more about asset protection and trust planning or long-term care assistance, government assistance that may be available for you if you are dealing with a long-term care crisis, those are both free to attend. Go to WGALaw.com and click on that seminars button. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill were uh, talking about something that you talk about in both of your seminars, and that's the concept that most wills and trusts don't work. And um, you know, you've, you've scared us a little bit, Bill. We need to make sure that our documents are working. Well, it has to do with title, how you own your property. And, and a big issue there are, are your beneficiary designations. And all of us have some beneficiary designations, particularly with our retirement accounts and our life insurance. Um, now, if we if you have an annuity, that also, and if uh, if a banker convince, convinces you to to sign a POD, a pay on death, that's a beneficiary designation. Investment advisors, if they convince you to do it, that's a TOD, transfer on death. Uh, and and the, the point is, is that, um, well, for instance, in my long-term care seminars, one of the th- things that my folks learn is that when you have a senior that's going downhill, one of the best approaches in terms of asset protection and Medicaid planning is, uh, and one of the first concepts in Medicaid planning is transferring property from the sick spouse to the well spouse, okay? And and then you, from there, you end up doing uh, spin-down planning, conversion planning, and things like that that folks will learn in the seminars. But the you always want the well spouse to protect the sick spouse. And so how we do that 
is in their last will and testament, we create a supplemental needs trust for the sick spouse. Uh, And that supplemental needs trust is complete asset protection, no five-year look back, no sanction. Uh, Everything is non-countable, exempt for Medicaid. So if a spouse is already on Medicaid, then the fact that the well spouse dies first keeps them on Medicaid and all of their family's property is protected for the children and grandchildren. So good result. But guess what? If And we call that a modified sweetheart will because basically you're leaving everything to protect your spouse and then go to the children and grandchildren. And it, it's a very effective tool. Um, We use it all the time, quite frankly. Now, with that said, what if you've created this trust, but you don't change your beneficiary designation? Guess who's there? I leave everything to my spouse. And so my life insurance and my retirement accounts go to my spouse directly. They don't go to the trustee of the Supplemental Needs Trust. Well, guess what? You've just blown that plan up completely because you failed to change who gets it, in other words, the title that you can control. But if just because you've signed a document, a will with a supplemental needs trust in it, if you don't go behind it and make that plan work by changing your beneficiary so that the life insurance goes to the trustee and the retirement accounts goes to the trustee or directly to the children if you have a larger estate, then if you haven't made those changes and and the spouse, the sick spouse ends up with the property because you have failed to make that change, bad result. Same thing with, with your home. Your home is owned by both of you together. If you haven't changed the ownership to the well spouse singly with waivers uh, of marital rights and the like, then guess what? Um the house is now owned by the sick spouse who's on Medicaid, and it's subject to Medicaid estate recovery and and the like. And, of course, we can come back behind it oftentimes and protect it if we have the right power of attorney. But, again, it, where I'm coming from is that you're, the way you own title and your beneficiary designations are critical in making your documents, whatever kind of document you have, whether it's a will or a trust, it's critical in making your trust work. Uh, And if you haven't done change the title to make your plan work, it's not going to work. And you wouldn't believe how many folks don't think they have to go out and do that to make their plans work. That follow through is is so critical and making sure that you're completing all those steps is essential. As you said, otherwise your plan is just not going to work. If you want to get a hold of Bill, whether it's to attend one of his free seminars or maybe you've got some documents of your own that you would like reviewed, make sure that they're working in the way that you want and that all your beneficiary designations are uh, in line with your plan as well. Get a hold of Bill. He can review that for you. Go to WGA Law. Dot com and schedule an appointment to speak with him. WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. We are taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back after this. 
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com if you want to register for Bill's free seminars. Next set happening on Wednesday, June 9th, covering the topics of long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. If you or any of your loved ones are involved in a long-term care crisis, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to uh, really get some valuable information for free as uh, navigating the world of government assistance when it comes to long-term care is, is quite complicated. But as you may have heard in this show, Bill makes things very digestible and easy to understand. And Bill, we're having a conversation today about why most wills and trusts don't work. And we've learned about the importance of beneficiary designations. And and what else do we need to be aware of when it comes to making sure that these documents are doing what we want? Well, a a well-drafted will will always give you the ability to have contingencies. Uh, and contingencies can be something other than just here it is outright, it's yours. Because you may need um, uh, some holdback provisions on what goes to a spouse, particularly in a second or third marriage, uh, when they're children by previous marriages. Or you may, now, yes, trusts work better than wills in, in that type of planning, but but that doesn't mean you can't use a will to do the same thing. Or you may have a child or a grandchild who has spendthrift problems or creditor problems or special needs issues where you, where the money should not be go directly to them. Uh, and with a good plan, whether it's with a will or a trust, you can actually control how your inheritance goes those those folks who don't have a will and and uh, those folks who who don't uh, create those contingencies in a will-based plan or if they misuse their beneficiary designations they actually create problems for those uh, special people that need additional protection of some uh, kind whether it's uh, because of uh, of uh, special needs, disability needs, Medicaid needs. Um, uh, it could be uh, spendthrift issues, addiction problems. You know, pro- families have problems. <laughs> you know, it's it's the rare family where everything is perfect. You know, it, that just hardly exists anymore. So. Uh, it, it's that kind of planning that makes so much uh, difference. But uh, and of course, most of the time with will-based plans, what goes to the children and grandchildren is outright. In other words, here it is, you deal with it. Uh, and uh, with trust-based planning, at least with my trust-based planning, uh, I particularly for those uh, well-to-do families, what goes to the children tends to stay in an asset protection trust because it's a very inexpensive way of giving your children what's very difficult for you to get for yourself. It can be very expensive to create a trust that actually protects property for yourself or for your spouse, but it's fairly easy to do it. Uh, for your children and grandchildren, and I, and and a, a, the majority of my trust-based clients actually do that type of planning to protect their children and grandchildren, and they really like it because it gives that extra independence and extra control that people are are seeking. Uh, now, what about if you don't have a will? 
Well, if you don't have a will and there's property that you own that doesn't go to someone automatically by beneficiary designation or right of survivorship, then you really do lose control uh, because the state has a plan called intestacy, and it's it's full of lots of surprises, if you will, um, where your family, in other words, your children and your spouse, end up co-owning property, and that's the worst asset protection issue that you have. You have the same thing when siblings uh, inherit, say, the farm together, and there's three or four of you that actually co-own the farm now that mom died. Well, guess what? There's no asset protection for for that type of ownership, and so any one creditor, in other words, a creditor of just one of the owners, can force the sale of that property in order to get their uh, debt collected. So that's not not a good thing in in terms of having co-ownership, uh, because if if you own it by yourself, you can control your creditors, if you will. You can make sure everybody gets paid, and you don't have to worry about somebody coming in to take your property away from you. But you you know if you co-own it with others you can't control what other people do or have done or don't do and so that basically puts your ownership at risk and that's something that you don't want to do now why would a trust not work you know we you know we've talked about trust not working too the biggest issue is people not transferring their property into the trustee, which is typically themselves. They create a trust, a revocable trust for themselves. They name themselves as trustee, and then they should transfer all their property to themselves as trustee. That's what makes a trust work. But you wouldn't believe, I mean, I'd guarantee you half the people who come to me to review a trust that they've had done in previous years have never put a thing in that trust, or they moved here, bought their house, and they forgot about putting it into their trust, or their bank account's not in the trust anymore because years have passed, and they go to the bank, and they've set it up the the normal way rather than to themselves as trust. Guess what? If you have a trust and you haven't funded it, the lawyers make more money when that's the case, and nobody likes to pay lawyers, so it's the kind of thing where you're setting your family up to pay double fees rather than to save money, and trust can save a lot of money if it's done right, and that's the whole point. If you haven't funded it, everything goes through probate and court administration. You lose all of the benefits there, and then you get to do trust administration, so double the fees. Not a good result. If the beads of sweat are rolling down your forehead, as Bill was mentioning, an unfunded trust, get a hold of Bill if you want him to review your documents. Make sure that everything is in working order for you. Go to WGALaw.com. That's the best way to do it. WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. 
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget you can register for Bill's free seminars happening on Wednesday, June 9th, covering the subjects of asset protection and trust planning, as well as long-term care assistance, government assistance available for those families, middle-class families dealing with long-term care assist, long-term care crises. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on that seminars button, or you can call 919 919- Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. We are out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.